talking about a few minor characters in the book of Acts, but they're minor characters with resurrection life. They're characters who, you know, we might not have heard of or don't talk about very often, uh, maybe partly because one of them has a weird name, uh, which we'll get to. I I originally was thinking of entitling this sermon, Be a Dorcas, uh, but that seemed a little bit too, a little too goofy for for the subject matter uh, and didn't seem to really appreciate uh, uh, the character uh, who's who's named in Greek, Dorcas, otherwise known as Tabitha, uh, and her good life. Uh, so I went with minor characters. Uh, but these minor characters are imbued with something powerful that makes them anything but minor to the communities in which they live. And maybe their impact on history is less than that of some other characters that we read about in the New Testament. But the fact that they were uh, touched by Jesus, that they uh, had Jesus flowing through their veins and, and shared him with, the, with their friends and neighbors uh, made their lives significant. And uh, we're going to just talk about that today. So if you would, real quick, before we just look into the word, would you pray with me? Father, I just ask that somehow that the words that I'm about to speak, that um, they wouldn't just be my good ideas, but that, Lord, that you would speak to us, myself included, um, through your word, through the scriptures. God, I pray that we would be formed by you uh, and changed by what we read here today and by what we experience. And so, Lord, uh, Put your, put your power in the things I'm going to say um, and let everything else fall to the floor. Uh, and I just ask for those things in Jesus' name. Amen. So in verse 32, it says, uh, as Peter traveled across the country, he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydda. Lydda is a city close to where he was. Uh, um, there he found a man named Aeneas who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you, get up and roll up your mat. Immediately, Aeneas got up, and all those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. And there's kind of a little break. This is sort of like a little mini section of the, of the passage that we're looking at today. And I wonder if we believe that this kind of stuff can still happen. I, I know that many of us who are part of this church and ha- have been for a while have seen something like this happen at some point. Uh, and I think that What's, what's kind of maybe scary or difficult sometimes when we read a passage like this is that we can also, all of us, think of times, especially if, we, if we've prayed enough to where we've seen it happen, uh, we can also think of many times that we've, we've asked God to heal somebody, somebody or we've prayed with faith or we've, we've hoped for something that we wanted from God, even if it wasn't something as, as kind of uh, you know, spooky as physical healing or something like that. Uh, we, we've all experienced some kind of asking God for something that we didn't get. And so I think it's important that when we read a story like this, to, to have in mind a kind of a theological framework that's helpful and biblical and true to help us make sense of why these good things happen sometimes, right? Uh, it, there's, we don't really need an explanation as much for uh, when we pray and, and nothing happens, that, that ex- those explanations come to us readily. But, but why does it happen sometimes and not other times? Well, Jesus told many parables talking about the kingdom of God. He would say things like, you know, if I cast out demons by the hand of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you, past tense, like it was something that had already happened in his life and in his work and in his ministry. 
But then he would also say things like, when the kingdom of God comes, talking about it as a future event, something that hadn't happened yet. And sometimes he would say things like, you know, the kingdom of God is at hand, as though it's very close, or the kingdom of God is here right now. Or, and, and so you start to think, well, is Jesus crazy? Or how do we make sense of these things? Well, it turns out Jesus is not crazy. He's describing a reality that uh, is, is beyond human understanding. And what he seems to be describing is this idea that the kingdom of God is somehow already present, but also something that hasn't happened yet and will happen more fully in the future. And of course, the people who were awaiting the Messiah in Jesus' day thought the kingdom of God is going to come, all the pagan rulers will be destroyed, uh, probably violently, and uh, you know, Israel will be the kings of the world, and that's how God will reinstitute his reign and rule on the earth, restoring creation that was fallen when Adam and Eve sinned. But instead what happened is we got Jesus. And what Jesus does is demonstrates that God's kingdom is breaking into our present existence, but it's not happening the way that we quite expected. It's a lot more filled with love and grace and mercy, and there's a lot of room for all the people who have completely and fully embraced this age, the, the, the current present evil age, to continue to exist and to have an opportunity to become part of the age to come, that is, the kingdom of God uh, that Jesus talked so much about and so, told so many parables about and, and, and preached and talked about constantly in the Gospels in the New Testament. And so what, what we understand is that when Jesus came the first time, he was really inaugurating this coming kingdom. If you will, one way to understand this is to talk about it as inaugurated eschatology. If you're familiar with that $5 word, it just means the end times, right? So what we think is that in Jesus' life and ministry, he's, he's sort of beginning the end. He's bringing this time when this present evil age comes to an end and the kingdom of God is on earth as it is in heaven and uh, God's perfect reign and rule is exercised through humanity on the earth. Jesus begins that process in his ministry and most effectively assures that it will happen through his death and resurrection on the cross. If you will, the cross was, in a sense, the foretaste of the final judgment. Jesus took the penalty of all humanity on himself on the cross. And so that judgment has begun uh, in Jesus' death. And through his resurrection, the resurrection of all creation has begun in Jesus rising from the dead. And so this kingdom of God is breaking in. We're getting little tastes, little drops, little, little foreshadowing to what comes at the end of history when Jesus returns to uh, make everything right. And so we see that in the story with Aeneas getting healed and, and with Peter commanding him to stand up and walk. In obeying that command, he stands up and he walks, and that is a that is a sign of the kingdom breaking in. But we just read in Acts that we also saw uh, Christian believers being persecuted, being thrown into jail. Stephen uh, was martyred. People threw rocks at him until he died. And so we live in this time where things are both now and not yet. We live in this experience. And maybe you've had this experience personally as a believer in Jesus of you give your heart to God, you, you repent, you turn from your sin, and then you go home and you yell at your spouse. Or you, 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 you get cut off in traffic and you kind of lose your mind for a minute. And, 
and, and you, you have this part of you that's still sort of wrestling. You know, the, the now and not yet stuff isn't just out here with supernatural things. We find that it's also in here uh, with our personal character, that as we welcome God into our hearts, yeah, we're going to be saved, right? And we are saved at the same time. We're both saved now and going to be saved at the end, right? And so it's this now, not yet experience internally, externally, this is the reality that we live in and the framework from which we can understand the New Testament and make sense of these things happen. And this is a really a vineyard distinctive. And so when we talk about supernatural occurrences and how we experience those now, uh, our, our understanding of supernatural ministry or things like healing, prophecy, kicking demons out of people, otherwise known as deliverance, uh, all those kinds of things, those things are rooted in an understanding of the kingdom of God as taught by Jesus rather than in faith. There's a kind of faith, a kind of Christian faith, quasi-Christian faith maybe, that, that teaches you that if you just believe hard enough, you'll get whatever you want. That if you just really go for it, if you're good enough, if you pray hard enough, if you fast hard enough, if you have enough faith, if your faith is perfect, then you'll get the things that God uh, you'll get the things that you want from God. We don't approach it that way. We don't think that the Bible teaches that formula. In fact, we believe that Jesus said something actually in direct opposition to that understanding. He said that actually you don't need that much faith. You need like mustard seed. You know how big a mustard seed is? It's like, it's, I can't even, you know, it's like you just need a tiny bit of faith. That's all you need. You just need a tiny bit of faith. And our faith is in the one who makes these things happen. The, the kingdom of God is breaking in. And so our job is not to make it happen uh, as much as it is to see it, recognize it, agree with it, and do our best to be obedient to the kingdom of God as we understand it. And so this understanding of the now, not yet kingdom gives us a lot of room to fail, it gives us a lot of room to pray with faith and believe that healing can and will happen. And then when it doesn't happen, we can say, ah, that's really disappointing. But I'm not going to quit believing in Jesus, and I'm not going to beat myself up or the person that I was praying for. Uh, I'm not going to beat that person up for not having enough faith because we live in this mysterious now and not yet time. It gives us a lot of room to experience grace, a lot of room to try things and fail and to try things and fail and to try things and succeed and then try things and fail and then try things. And there's no magic bullet and there's no pressure to be some kind of superstar for Jesus. We just want a bunch of regular people doing the kind of stuff that Jesus did in their daily lives as part of their character. And so our understanding of supernatural ministry is rooted in the kingdom of God rather than in faith. We continue reading this uh, story that in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. That's a funny name to us. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to their room. All the windows stood around, all the widows, not the windows, all the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. 
Peter sent them all out of the room, and he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. And then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. This is a beautiful and inspiring story, and it's wonderful. You can just kind of get the sense that this woman was a pillar of the community. You know, she, it says that uh, she was always doing good, right? Uh, that, uh, let's see, where does it say that? Yeah, and she was always doing good and helping the poor, that she just had a, a sense of character. She was really integrated into uh, her community. Everyone knew her. Everyone loved her. She had made it her life's work to serve others, to take care of them, you know, even making garments and, and, and knitting them for the other widows, creating a community of people who had great need and who were marginalized in her day, uh, really caring for these women who had been abandoned by society and through the calamity and pain of losing a husband. And while she was with them, she made them things and took care of them and created a community around herself uh, and the love that she shared with these women. And so Peter, being moved by this, prays, and a little drop of that coming kingdom breaks into that moment, and uh, she is raised back to life. She is, she's raised from the dead. Now, I want to, uh, you know, I want to make a quick just observation here that I think it is inaccurate, though we could say that Tabitha or Dorcas, whichever name you want to call her, Tabitha, uh, we could be tempted to say that she was resurrected. Now, while I believe that she experienced resurrection life, I believe that she experienced resurrection power, I think it's more technically accurate to say that she was raised. Because so far in human history, there's been one person who's been truly resurrected in the sense that there will be a resurrection at the end of time. And that person is Jesus. That when Jesus rose from the grave, he's the firstborn of the new creation. He's the firstborn of what will happen at the end of time. But Tabitha has the somewhat sad story, along with Lazarus and a few other people that we read about, of, of having to die twice, right? You know, Lazarus isn't still walking around in Palestine, and neither is Tabitha. Uh, but, but being raised from the dead is a powerful sign that shows that a resurrection of all humanity, of all creation, is coming. And that's why these things happen. These things happen, these signs and these wonders, happen to point towards a greater reality that we're still waiting for and to help people believe God to help people believe that God is who he says he is and does the things that he says that he does. And that's a big part of why signs and wonders continue to happen. It might even be the main reason. I've heard many people, we need some signs and wonders on our technology today. Our technology is under attack from the other side, apparently. Uh, the, it, we need these experiences with God, and we... We come to worship God and we, we, we seek these things because we just need that help and encouragement to believe what's true about him. We, we experience so much not yet in our life. We experience so much pain, so much suffering, so much 
uh, so many of the results of our own sin, of sins that others have committed against us, and just the calamity of living in a sinful, broken world. When we see signs and wonders happen, they encourage us to believe that Jesus really is real and that God really is doing things. It gives us hope and it helps us believe. It helps us overcome our unbelief and our small faith and allows our faith to grow. Uh, I've heard from practitioners, people who are really gifted in this stuff, and you know, I've prayed for a few people that have been healed. I've prayed for a lot of people who haven't. Um, but I've listened to these guys and women too who, who, who talk about, who really just like embraced this, this part of Christianity and, and made it their lifestyle to just pray for whoever needs prayer at any time, all the time. And they tell me that if you put, and you can't do this, obviously. Like it would be, one, it would be unconscionable, and two, it's just so unrealistic, you, you couldn't make this happen. But if you put 10 people who were believing Christians in a row, who all had the same condition, and you had 10 people who were outside of faith, who also had the same condition, same illness, same broken toe, or whatever, right? Uh, and you prayed for them, that you would get better results for this unbelieving crowd experiencing healing and power uh, than you would for the believing Christians. And, and this is just, this isn't in the Bible, this isn't, all right, this is just hearsay, all right? Hopefully it's not heresy, but, uh, but just from people who, who do this a lot, who have experience with it, they tell me that praying for people who are outside of faith, you'll see more power, you'll see more healing, you'll see more deliverance, you'll see more uh, direct experience of the Holy Spirit because God's heart for those people is so that they can come into relationship with him. And the purpose of signs and wonders is to make God known, to, to allow people to have some kind of an access point, a grace ramp, if you will, to, to be able to enter into relationship with Jesus. That's why God does this stuff. And that's why we try to practice it and, and, uh, and, and agree with him when he says, go heal the sick. But the, the main thing that we're trying to do in helping people know God is to experience a loving relationship with him. That really whenever God heals somebody, whether they're a believer or not, whether they deserved it or not, whether, uh, whether we think they had adequate faith or, or if they prayed enough, is, is so that people can experience God's love and experience his care. That really, any taste of the coming kingdom, and, and the fact that the kingdom is coming, is an expression of God's love to us. That really what this all comes back to is people experiencing the love that they were created to experience, and, it, and that love that every human heart longs for, and that we try to fill in in and through other people and through substances and through pleasure and through all kinds of stuff. We try to fill that void, that need for love that every human heart has that can't be quenched, that can't be satisfied in any other relationship. When God pours out his love in signs of wonders, it's so that we can know him and be loved by him and to be able to receive the care that our hearts and our souls long for. That's really what it's about and what it comes down to. I've seen this a few times 
one night we were having some kind of small group meeting here a few years ago, and uh, this guy who had kind of come to church like maybe once or twice kind of walks into the meeting like late and says, hey, I just need somebody to pray for my back and for my back to get healed. I've got to go to work tomorrow. And, <laughs> and he was just very pushy and demanding. He was, I want somebody to pray for me right now. What am I going to say? Okay, fine. Let's pray for this guy. So we, you know, we, we gather around him and a couple people pray for him. And it was like, we said, come Holy Spirit. And the guy just like lit up. His, you know, he starts sweating. He starts shaking. His body is just like kind of, convul- like the power of God was visibly on him. It was really kind of spooky. Uh, and, uh, and as we're praying, he goes from kind of, you know, he had hobbled in. He, he walked in like this, but as we're praying, he just, he starts to stand up straight, and he starts to move his back like this, and, and, and suddenly he starts going side to side, and he like bends over, and he's like, and, and it was just very clear and obvious that God was healing him in that moment. It was really powerful. And then he ran out the door and went on to whatever else he was doing, and then we just like had to continue the meeting. I was like, what just happened? That was so weird. But God loved him. And he experienced love and grace from God in that moment. It was powerful. Uh, another time I've seen, you know, uh, we, we uh, every now and then, you know, you, you start praying for one thing, and then God, like, really kind of shifts it, and it becomes about something else. Uh, a guy came up for prayer about something, and uh, I just, I said, well, you know, uh, okay, we'll pray about that. And I said, come Holy Spirit. And as soon as I said, come Holy Spirit, it was like the waterworks just turned on. He just immediately started like shaking and crying, and he had this booger that went down to like his knee. It was hanging, like he was kind of over, and it was just, you know, the, the Holy Spirit was just so powerfully on him. And he wasn't physically healed, but God touched his heart. You know, he, he, he knew that God loved him and cared about him. And, and he experienced the Holy Spirit in a tangible way, in a, in a like physical way, in a way that's real. Not just this idea that we believe and talk about on social media or on Sunday mornings, but it was real to him. And God was working in his soul and in, even in his physical body. And the point is that he experienced love. Even if he didn't get the physical healing that he was looking for. I just want us to be a community that continues to pray. That continues to welcome God's spirit. That continues to welcome God's kingdom. And to understand that if we don't get the results that we want to see, that's okay. That's God's business. That's not on us. That's, that's for him to decide. And that's, that's for him to give out how he sees fit in the way that's going to be best for us in ways that we can't understand. And so whatever we're doing, I hope that we're cultivating love. I hope that we're cultivating love for God through prayer. And I hope that we're cultivating love for our neighbors through disciple-making, through introducing people to this one that has healed our souls, to this one that, that cares for us and loves us, and that we continue to try again over and over and over again to do the stuff.
to do the stuff that's in this book, to do the stuff that Peter did, to do the stuff that Ananias did, to do the stuff that Paul did and Philip did and Stephen did, to pray for sick people, to care for those who can't help themselves, to look out for the widows and the orphans as we sang about, to serve our community as a, as a church and as individuals, to really embody the life of Jesus and to do the things that we see written in the book. Just keep trying. Make it a lifestyle. Make it a being orientation. I am a person who prays for the sick. That's something that all of us should be able to say. I am a person who shares good news when I experience it in Jesus. That's something that all of us should be able to say. That it comes from being transformed through an experience of his love into a kind of person who lives a steady life, and we just keep trying. Just try again. Just try again. Just try again. And don't feel bad if you don't see what you want to see every time, but as, as we walk steadily and consistently and continue to pray, continue to ask, God will do things. And I get the sense even just now as I'm speaking, some of you are thinking, yeah, but that hasn't happened for me. And I feel like God wants to speak to that specifically, and there's opportunity in prayer here he sees what you've given him. He sees your heart. He sees your hope, and that is not wasted. And his encouragement to you is just to hold on and to try again. I think it's important for us as we continue to follow Jesus to be formed in our character into the kind of people who will be missed, right? We see that in Tabitha's example of life, that when she dies, there's a hole that needs to be filled, that there's, there's a real loss because she's connected, because she's invested, because she's given so much to her community. And I just think that God is calling us as individuals and as a community to be those kind of people. We need to be the kind of people who continue to pour out love everywhere we go. And that when we do that, we connect with people in a way that matters, that's felt. That someone would really feel if we were gone. There's a risk with this. There's a risk when we share our lives, when we're vulnerable with people, when we actually take the time to care rather than just building our bank account or, uh, you know, accumulating uh, points with our boss or our professional career. That there's sacrifice that has to happen in order to make those relationships last. We have to make commitments of time. We have to show up. And we have to be there and we have to say no to some things so that we can say yes to the people that God has called us to and placed in our life to bless. But if we'll say that yes to God and invest in the people and in the time and then the things that he's called us to will live a life that will be impactful, it will have meaning, and it'll bring life and love to the people around us. I'm so proud to be part of this community. I'm so proud to be part of this group of believers who takes this stuff seriously and who are just all in for what Jesus wants to do. I don't know any other church this size that continues to tackle and, uh, and attempt to do the things that we do. It's insane. 
And sometimes I feel like I'm going crazy trying to stay on top of it and, and be part of it. And, and, but I'm just so blessed and so proud of the way that this community continues to give everything to Jesus. And I just think it's so important that we continue to do that. I think that as we do that, he will honor that and that he will fill our souls with joy and with purpose and with the strength to continue. And I believe that that is even starting now and, uh, and that that's available this morning in prayer. So if you would, please stand. So this is the time that we take to do the stuff we've been talking about. This is when we like really welcome the Holy Spirit and God does stuff. This is when people get physically healed. This is when um, God will speak to us in powerful ways um, and our lives will get changed. We'll be healed physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, all the things. Um, and so the way this works is uh, here in a minute while, this last, while the band plays this last song, the invitation is if you want prayer uh, and we're going to ask you to do something, just be a little bit brave and just step forward, okay? Part of the reason is that when we all get done, we're all going that way. So this is actually the more private place to, uh, to, to receive prayer. Um, but by stepping forward, that'll kind of signal that you want someone to pray for you. And then a person who's been, pray, who's been trained on our prayer team, uh, and, you know, guys will pray with guys, ladies will pray with, la- pray with ladies, uh, they'll just come up and put their hand on your shoulder and ask how they can pray for you in confidence. And then God will, like, do stuff, and it'll be really good. A um, couple things. Uh, I kind of already called out that one uh, in the sermon. just kind of hit me sideways uh, while I was preaching. But um, I also just get the sense that maybe some of us are just feeling tired and just need to experience refreshment from God. Uh, if that's you, please come forward. Uh, also, if you've got pain in your elbow, uh, maybe even the right elbow, um, if that's, I don't know, you know I, that could be just the pizza I ate or it could be God speaking to me. Um, but uh, if, that's, if that's bugging you, um, come forward and um, get prayer for that. I think God wants to heal you. So, um, Phil, can you shut us down at the end of the song? Yeah, okay, great. So let's, um, let's worship, and if you want prayer, come forward.